0: Welcome in, everyone, to the Football Act Anonymous podcast. As always, I'm Rusty. Got my boy Chris Cherry. How's it going? It's been a while. been a whole week since we didn't have an actual <laughs> Friday show. Uh, surprisingly, there's not a terrible <laughs> amount of news to go through. There's a lot of big things, though. A lot of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, name, big-name players. Getting signed or re signed. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to talk about all that, break down the FCS semifinal games, and uh, also go over the NFC South draft. So let's get this started here. Da-da-da. So, I was not able to watch these games. I was following them on my phone sporadically, very sporadically, uh, at my sister's wedding um, on Saturday. But first game was not so good. Second game was very good. I wish I could have watched the second game. But I was having a lot of fun. All right. So, first one. Number one seed, South Dakota State rolls. Number five, Delaware, 33 to 3 I was very wrong on this game. I had Delaware covering plus nine. I just thought Delaware's defense was better. Currently, uh, I mean, 33 is not a terrible amount to give up. You can win giving up 33. But... Nolan Henderson and the offense gave them no support, so... Yeah.
1: Well, I was going to say, I think the story of this one was the South Dakota State defense only giving up a field goal. Um, I mean... <clears throat> I obviously haven't given my thoughts on a game because you did it uh, yourself on Friday night, but I, I mean... I knew that South Dakota State was going to win this one. However, like you said, I didn't think it was going to be this much of a blowout. Uh, whether or not Delaware covered, though, I would have been on the fence with that one. But, yeah, uh, this just shows why South Dakota State was the number one seed in this tournament.
0: Yeah, and it actually ended up being 33 unanswered from South Dakota State. Uh the only chances Delaware had to get points, uh, they missed the field goal uh, in the second quarter uh, that would have made it 20-6. to And then South Dakota State went and scored just before halftime, 27-3 to at half. But then other than that, uh, Delaware turned it down, over on downs twice. Um, in the second half, once at the South Dakota State five-yard line, uh, that could have made it thirty to ten. And then uh, the second one was at the South Dakota State thirty-five, which at that point it was thirty-three to three already. So,
1: but yeah, only that's, only six. That's kind of interesting, though, that it was. Twenty seven to three at halftime, then there was only six points scored in the second half. I mean Yeah. South Dakota State, like what happened to them in the second half?
0: <laughs> they probably set on cruise control, got into their ground game with Pierre Strong uh and Isaiah Davis there. But yeah, they they also had a trick play that worked. Uh that twenty four yard passing touchdown from Pierre Strong to Mark Gronowski there. Um, that play worked, so everything was working for the Jackrabbits in this one. They're headed to Frisco, Texas next weekend to play for the <coughs> FCS Championship. And that, it's weird because the, the FCS Championship, it's actually on Sunday uh, next week, so yeah. But uh, some other things in this game that tell the tale uh, of the of the game here. Neither team was very good on third down. 6 of 16 uh, for Delaware. 3 of 9 uh, for South Dakota State. Delaware 1 for 3 on fourth down. Um, South Dakota State 1 of 1. So, But really... The rushing yards, I think, was the biggest thing that stood out to me. Um, South Dakota State outrushed Delaware by 100 yards, 168-68. to Um, And Delaware was only at 1.5 yards per carry. South Dakota State, 5.3. No turnovers in this one. Only two penalties, both on Delaware for 22 yards. A very clean game. Uh, uh-huh. and you know Delaware had the possession 3705 to 2255
1: so, Sometimes it's all about the quick scoring.
0: Yeah I mean only one of the four touchdowns was inside of 10 yards They scored from 30 24 3 and 14 Uh yeah, Jackson Yankee there getting on the board, 64, all three receptions and a touchdown. And like I said, Mark Gronowski, he's my guy. <laughs> I love I love Mark Gronowski so.
1: Yeah, you've been raving about him all season, and here we find him in the championship game. So,
0: yep. All right, uh, South Dakota State cover minus seven, under 38
1: hit. If only Delaware had made that other field goal.
0: <laughs> Second semifinal game, like I said, a lot more exciting than the first one. Number two seed Sam Houston State taking down number three, James Madison, 38-35. to Both quarterbacks turn the ball over. Cole Johnson did score four times, though. Uh, Eric Schmidt, three total times for him. Uh, three interceptions combined between the two. A lot of stats. Uh, you know, Jacuz Ezard there, he had a fantastic game. Four for 107 and touchdown. Also returned a punt, 80 yards for a score. And that's my guy for James Madison in the coming years, Antoine Wells Jr. Another great game for him uh, in his freshman year. Seven for 89 and a touchdown. But yeah. I will say I mean, the last guy. You can see I put it there. I wasn't going to put it there. I was just going to say it and put his stats there. But, yeah, the most consistent kicker, I think, anyways, in all of FCS, Ethan Ratkey, missing his first field goal of the season. With 2.09 to go, 51 yards, to tie the game at 38, and he missed it. So...
1: I mean, 51 isn't that easy of a kick anyway, but that that's probably really tough on him. But the, the thing that stands out to me is comparing the two quarterbacks, obviously neither one really had a great day passing the ball. Um, but when you look at it, I think the, the thing that made the biggest difference was uh, Eric Schmidt rushing for 55 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, I know Cole Johnson also got a rushing touchdown, but there's no yards associated with that, which I assume means he didn't have any yards on the ground.
0: Uh, he had five, I believe. Yeah, ten, ten for five.
1: Well, still, that's nothing really.
2: Half so, yard
1: so Schmidt obviously was able to uh, adapt to the situation when when they couldn't get it done in the air. He was able to do it on the ground as well. So.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where the matchup with South Dakota State is going to be a lot more intriguing, with both quarterbacks being able to run. Uh, yeah, because Schmid. I don't know what Gronowski does, but Schmid. I know they watching Sam Houston games. They have said he has legit four four speed for a quarterback. So, uh, and you can see it when you watch the games. He's he's really fast for for being a quarterback. Um. But, yeah, sucks to see JMU go. This realistically could have been a championship game. Uh Um, But, yeah, but that's the thing that we said earlier when the bracket first came out. We knew the top of the bracket was not that tough for Uh South Dakota State to be able to make the championship game. It'll be, we'll have to see next, next Sunday, you know, does the difficulty of, opponent, of opponents matter, especially in the playoffs? Because South Dakota State plays in the hardest conference.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But Sam Houston State had the tougher schedule in the playoffs to get here. So, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking that. I mean, uh, obviously, Sam Houston State, like you said, they've had the tougher schedule, but. South Dakota State. I mean, yeah, they've had probably the easiest schedule out of anybody in the tournament. So it all it all depends on if they if they took these games for granted or not. Because if they kind of were like, whatever, we're going to make it to the championship and kind of just looked ahead to the championship and ignored these teams and didn't really prepare, then I think they're in for a rude awakening. Uh, on Sunday but uh, yeah I don't know I mean I know we'll have the preview on Friday but just looking at this the matchup I don't know I think that the game that we're looking at on the screen right now might be the best game of the tournament I don't know if the championship will be as good
0: yeah I don't know Sam Houston State North Dakota State was also very good as well yeah <laughs> um, um, Sam Houston State now is 16-0 and all-time at home in the playoffs. Casey Keeler, their head coach, now 30-0 and at home in the playoffs in his head coaching career. So just crazy. That he's, Wait, is
1: the is the championship game at a neutral site or is it yeah. in Sam Houston?
0: Nope, it's at a neutral site, Frisco, Texas. All right. But it'll be, I would assume it's going to be, the crowd will probably lean more towards Sam Houston if they're not just selling tickets to each school. Yeah. If they're letting public tickets get sold, then I can see a lot more Sam Houston fans there because Sam Houston is in Texas. Mm-hmm. So. hmm All right, uh, Zion McCollum, the interception for the Bearcats, Kelvin Azanama and Greg Ross, the picks for the Dukes. And it was funny, I was actually with a JMU alum at my sister's wedding, and uh, I kept giving him updates on the game. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, later on, he's like, when I told him they lost, he was shocked. But then like later on in the night, he's like, So did they actually lose, or were you just joking? I was like, no, they actually lost. (laughs) Racky missed a field goal late. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Good. good, uh, Like I said, JMU, they're going to be there in the fall as well. So the only thing, like I said, they're going to have to figure out who their quarterback is, Cole Johnson, fifth-year senior. He's going to graduate. So Um, that's the thing, though. Like, I actually don't know if he's going to graduate because, you know, everyone has their extra year that they can come Uh back. So he could be a sixth year senior, but I also don't know if what the announcers are announcing at games are the years for the twenty twenty season or are they years for the twenty twenty one season. I would assume since FCS is playing in the spring here it is their class that they were going to be if they would have played in 2020 fall season Uh but that's just what i'm assuming
1: (laughs) yeah i think it was what they were like this past year so yeah
0: so yeah maybe maybe cole johnson does come back uh for another year uh with the extra year of eligibility that the ncaa is granting um but who knows I think if he does, JMU will, I think, easily be probably number two or three in the preseason FCS poll in the fall. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Sam Houston State covered plus one and a half, over 47 easily. 73 in this one. Okay. Here we go. FCS playoff bracket. Like I said, next Sunday, two p.m. Uh, you know, the the NCAA has the the time on their thing already. ESPN doesn't have the game on there <laughs> on their schedule yet. So uh, I didn't I didn't even know what time it was. So yeah, two p.m. on Sunday. Uh, I don't know what I would assume it's going to be on ESPN. Um, mm-hmm but I I don't exactly know yet. ESPN or ABC.
1: It's one of the rare times where the top two teams actually made it to the finals too. So, uh, yeah, good job with the, uh, seating for for that. (laughs) Actually correctly picking the top two teams.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. NFL news didn't have any NCAA news, but we're going to start off with your jets, Chris. They, they made they got the first pick signed they won the lottery <laughs> they want they they get a gold star for signing the first draft pick <laughs> their fifth round safety uh jamie and sherwood out of auburn four years three million eight hundred and thirty four
1: thousand eight hundred and fifty six dollars hey i mean i i know it's not that big of a deal because it was just the fifth round guy or whatever but I like this uh, this regime's sense of urgency. Get your players signed. Get it underway. I mean, they were one of the few teams that had the rookie mini camp uh, over the weekend, anyway. So
0: yeah,
1: uh, they probably had a lot of chances to do that. I mean, I think they signed majority of their guys now, anyway. Uh, I think it's only like Wilson and Barrett Tucker are left or something like that.
0: Makes sense. Usually, so. usually high round draft picks take longer um yeah but yeah you know mr irrelevant gets stuff why why shouldn't i think there should be something given Uh, to the first the guy that signs first in the in the rookie class (laughs) why not because
1: technically that would make him the first official nfl player of the entire class
0: yeah <laughs> that got drafted, anyways. Yeah. Uh, uh, undrafted free agents, it's like freaking, you know.
1: They're going to be getting signed. Before birds the on, even over.
0: It's like ducks on bread. <laughs> 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 NFL teams just calling. You need about five five to ten phones when you're an undrafted uh, player to uh, field all the calls.
2: Uh-huh.
0: All right. Uh, next thing here. The Panthers, we had talked about them interviewing some candidates. I believe in total they interviewed three or four uh, for their assistant GM spot uh, to go with Scott Fitterer there. And they have hired a very familiar face, one Dan Morgan, former Panthers linebacker, played at Penn State as well. Um He was the Bills Director of Player Personnel and now is the Panthers Assistant GM. Looking forward to him becoming a GM a couple years down the line, most likely. Okay, we're going to get back to the Aaron Rodgers well. (laughs) So last week, uh, there were reports that in a player group text... He mocked uh, GM Brian Gudekunst um, to his teammates and he called him Jerry Krause who when this was brought up I was like who is Jerry Krause? I didn't watch I didn't watch the what what was it called? The 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 Jordan documentaries. Oh
2: yeah
0: yeah. I don't remember what they were called. Um Yeah, I can't think of it. But, yeah, apparently, you know, that was one of the... Jerry Krause was the guy that built the Bulls dynasty, and he also was the guy that brought the Bulls dynasty to a crumble. Um, And also, it was said that Michael Jordan did not like Jerry Krause very much either. So, yeah, Rodgers calling out the GM now. Even though it's not publicly, it's you know in it to his teammates. But
1: well, it's public now because apparently somebody leaked it from that group chat.
0: Yeah. Um, Brett Favre also chimed in, said his gut says that uh, Rodgers is done in Green Bay. So, <laughs> long way to go still, but I don't know. Him, him his, his situation, Deshaun Watson's situation, we have a million, you know. Yeah, we have, it's May now, so we got two months till training camp starts.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, but I remember a couple months ago, you had said something about somebody tweeting out that they expected, like, 18 different teams to have new quarterbacks or something like that, right? Yeah. I haven't really been keeping up on that, but I wonder how close to 18 we are right now.
0: Um.
1: Because I know there's a good amount.
0: Well, in my head, you know, because it would just, you know, changing starters from who started week one 2020 to starts week one 2021. So, you know, just going down the divisions, you know, not Buffalo. Technically, Miami. Uh, New England could, depending on if Mac Jones or, or Cam starts. Um, the Jets. Obviously. Uh, AFC North's stay in they're all staying um
1: well is burrow going to be ready for week one
0: yeah he should be okay uh so the colts possibly the texans um the jags broncos are up in the air um the Chargers, technically, as well, because uh, Tyrod started last year. Eagles, uh, Washington, the Lions, the Bears, uh, the Saints, Panthers, Rams. And that's it. I don't know if you were counting when I was
1: <laughs> Yeah, so I think that I I was kind of, I think that's like twelve or thirteen, so maybe not the number that they thought unless eighteen wasn't the number, but um But
0: there's like three or four teams that you don't know. Far yet. up in the
1: air, yeah. Yeah. But that's half the league right there almost. Yeah. Which is crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean four of the situations were through trade with the Wentz trade and the Stafford trade, so uh uh-huh. um I mean actually six six were through trade. The Darnold trade as well. Changed quarterbacks uh-huh. for the Jets and Panthers. Even though the Jets were already number two, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all right. Uh speaking of quarterbacks, so the Broncos, they reworked uh Teddy Bridgewater's deal when he got traded. Uh the Panthers are going to pay him $7 million in signing bonus. Uh, he gets a, four and a quarter million base salary, which $3 million is fully guaranteed there. It all comes out to a one-year $11.5 million deal, the Broncos of which are paying $4,437,500. They cut off 2022 because originally he was signed for two more years. Uh, so he will become a free agent in 2022.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's basically a try for him, and obviously if he performs well, I could see them re-signing him before the deal is up, but um, if I Rogers... mean, he still has to win the job first.
0: <laughs> yeah, if Rodgers isn't traded to Denver. <laughs>
1: that's
0: true, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to stick with the Broncos here. So this was an interesting situation that popped up last week. The Broncos right tackle, uh, Jawan James, he tore his Achilles, uh, so he's probably going to be done for the year. Uh, The Broncos placed him on the non-football injury list because he was working out away from the team facility. So... That caused a stir with the NFLPA because no one knows yet what the Broncos are going to do because Jawan James originally had $10 million in 2021 and $10 million in 2022 guaranteed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But he could potentially lose all 20 of that because he was working out off-site and got injured and when you're doing yeah. that, it counts as a non football injury. So you go on the NFI instead of IR. If you were working at the team facility and you tore your Achilles, you go on IR and however much you had guaranteed for injury is still guaranteed. But yeah. his is not guaranteed anymore because he was off site working out. Oof. Which also that, brought that into really question sucks, huh? Which also brought into question because all the you know There was a lot of teams that were coming out with statements saying that they weren't going to go to uh, non-mandatory workouts, uh, you know, mini-camp, OTAs, um, until it's mandatory mini-camp in June. Uh, So I don't know if this is going to change, guys opinions and you know make more players show up for non-mandatory stuff because you know if they get hurt they're still covered but we'll have to see
1: i mean uh but i feel like that was just probably a really freak accident because you don't really hear too many stories of people getting injured especially to that extent when they're working out so i don't know what like, do you know exactly what he was doing? No. It just says it was a workout-related injury, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so I don't know if it's really going to affect too many people, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I also think it kind of sucks that the NFL can come out and be like, well, if you don't work out at our facilities, then you're not going to get paid pretty much yeah because well,
0: that's what the, well the nfl came out and said that you know it is in this sex this article this section paragraph sentence of the cba that you it your salary is non your it's called paragraph five salary is essentially the, uh-huh. what base salary is called in the cba but your paragraph five salary is not guaranteed if you are injured working away from the team facility. That's the gist of what it says. So, yeah. It's going to be a fight. Uh, and, well, <laughs> I think Tom Brady said something about it, too. Uh, I don't remember what he exactly said, but i I'm pretty sure I remember his name popping up in that conversation. Um, you know... Uh And I saw someone on Twitter said too, like, well, as the NFLPA, why are you mad about this now when you had however long y'all were negotiating with the NFL over the CBA and this didn't come up then? (laughs) So it's like – I mean, granted, as we have learned in sport management, you know, every CBA negotiation, each side has – x amount of things that they want to get out of that current uh cycle of negotiations and so okay going back to your jets chris this is on the bad side of your jets here (laughs) so uh williams uh you know he had surgery uh on his foot for a broken bone. He's going to be sidelined 8-10 to 10 weeks. No OTAs, no mini-camp for Quinn in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, as long as he's ready for the preseason and all that major uh, parts of the season, I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. Because um, obviously, he's one of the key pieces to that defensive line. Um, I mean, yeah, it sucks that he's going to miss the beginning of the uh, new coaching and all that, but uh, I mean, just because he has a broken foot or whatever and is recovering from the surgery doesn't mean that, especially towards the end of the recovery, he won't be around the facility and stuff, yeah. so um, he just won't be able to participate in the workouts. Um, which, yeah, that like I said, it kind of sucks, but
0: yeah, and I as guess... long
1: as he's supposed to go for the season, I don't really care.
0: Yeah, and I guess his he, he had been I guess dealing with that, um, in the season. I I don't think I heard that he broke it during the off season.
1: No, I, I don't. I don't think he broke it during the season though. I think he was just dealing with something with his foot, and then I don't know. I thought he recently broke it. I don't know.
0: Well, that's what I because I was thinking that he was the guy that I heard. Uh, that that had happened to because it was different for Quinnen because he was working out at the team facility, but I don't remember if he was the one that I heard that happened to or if it was someone else.
1: Uh, uh, It might have been him. I can't remember anybody else, but
0: yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, different there. He was at the facility working out. Gets hurt, you're you're good. So all right. Let's get to some money. Which now Lions Center Frank Ragnow has quite a bit of it. <laughs> Detroit signed him to a four-year, fifty-four million dollar extension. He is now the highest paid center in football. Thirteen okay. and a half million uh per year in new money uh twenty five and a half million fully guaranteed signing bonus. Also forty two million in total guarantees for Frank Ragnow.
1: Yeah. That's some serious money for an offensive lineman. Um I mean obviously I know like center and left tackle are probably two of the more important uh offensive line positions, but uh Yeah, and Ragnow is one of the better ones, but I, don't, I wouldn't say he's deserving of the highest-paid center in the league.
0: Well, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was Jason Kelsey still or not. Because <clears throat> um, I know at one point the last couple of years, Jason Kelsey was the highest-paid center um, when he signed his new deal with the Eagles a couple years ago.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if anyone had passed him In between his deal and the Frank Ragnow deal, Um, and I know I can't think
1: of it. Unless uh, did the Rodney Hudson when he went to the Cardinals, did he uh, rework a deal or anything?
0: He might have been.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, maybe. I just remember, you know, back when. Alex Mack was the highest-paid center in football <laughs> with the Falcons <laughs> when he signed in free agency from the Browns. Uh-huh. Now he's in San Francisco. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, back to the quarterback well here. So this is kind of surprising, uh, but the, the Bucs re-signed Blaine Gabbert. Uh, so... I'm assuming that spells a that is not good news for Ryan Griffin because <laughs> you know Kyle Trask is going to make the team, mm-hmm. uh, and I would assume Blaine Gabbert is going to make the team. The only thing I could see is they're going to keep Trask as number three, and they're going to have Gabbert versus Griffin for the number two in training camp.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the only uh, that's the only reason why I could see them resigning him because they're obviously not going to keep four. Yeah. And, uh, like you said, Trask is obviously making the team and Brady, <laughs> unless some unforeseen freak thing happens to him, he's making the team. Um, someone's going to so. trade
0: five first round picks in training camp.
2: For
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it puts your team in the super bowl, I, I, As much as I hate Brady, he has that effect on the teams that he goes to. Yeah. I might pay that price. But anyway, um, yeah, it's that's the only reason I could think of why they would re-sign Gabbert to have a competition for the backup spot. Because, obviously, I don't think they would have Trask as the backup. Yeah. Because they want to sit him. They don't want him to play at all this year. Um. Which I think is a good idea, especially behind a guy like Tom Brady. Um, So if something were to happen to Brady, though, they need an experienced NFL backup. And the two guys that they have on the roster are two pretty good, solid backup options, too. Obviously, Gabbard's been in the league a while now, and so is Griffin. Griffin, I think, is the longest-tenured buck, right? I I think I heard. I think so. so. So, yeah, I mean... They they're both good options. I don't know who's going to win out the job, but uh cuz who was the who was the backup last year? Was it Gabbert or was mm-hmm. it Griffin? It was uh, Gabbert.
0: Yeah, it was Blaine Gabbert. I expect Blaine Gabbert to win the competition if if they're if that's what it is.
1: Yeah. It's if it's a competition yet. Yeah. Otherwise, I think they would just flat out cut Griffin now that they have Gabbert back. But
0: yeah, cuz in my mind as well, I was thinking but I was like because I, I was thinking, like, you know, how it was last year where there were such things as COVID quarterbacks. Uh, but I, I highly doubt that will be the case this year. Um, so there would be no need for a fourth quarterback. But actually, though, I believe the NFL is keeping the practice squad rules the same. So they could keep Brian Griffin on the practice squad – as one of those couple spots where you're allowed to have guys that are veterans.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: All right, uh, releases. So the Raiders, they finally released safety Jeff Heath. I still don't know why Jeff Heath has it, how how he keeps getting jobs. Uh, I am not a big Jeff Heath fan, so... Uh, especially no. when he was with the Cowboys, but I, I just never thought he was that great. Um, so, yeah, he's looking for a job again, though. So he'll probably he might not ever get another one. Uh, he'll probably find someone. Someone will find him.
1: Uh, Maybe a the Cowboys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, nah, I think they drafted two safeties. Uh, or I, mean, I don't know. I don't remember actually. But uh, the Dolphins also releasing a safety. This one is more noticeable. Safety Bobby McCain. He got uh-huh. released by the Dolphins. Uh, he was a captain uh-huh. uh, for them as well. So, leadership role gone for Miami. New guys needing to step up. He visited uh, with Washington today. So,
1: uh-huh. yeah, when I saw that, I was uh, very confused, especially with the timing of the uh, release. Um, I mean I didn't look into it too much like I didn't know I don't know how much he was making or how much he cost or whatever but um to release a guy like that was just a really big and weird move to me um
0: well I believe they drafted guys that's why
1: I know but still it's just to release one of the leaders on the team regardless if he if he drafted a his replacement or whatever um again, unless it was some sort of financial reason, I don't know why they didn't come through training camp and then see how the other guys did. Because if they drafted a, like a safety and he's a bust, then they kind of just released McCain for nothing.
2: Yeah.
0: No. Uh, let's see. Uh... The Cowboys, they waived uh, defensive tackle Antoine Woods last week. He visited with the Colts today, trying to bolster their uh, defensive line depth. But, yeah, Antoine Woods was an interesting case as well because they re-signed him as a restricted free agent before the draft. They drafted two defensive tackles, and now they're like, you're gone. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he could have been looking in free agency all along and then But I feel like that's what happens a lot. It's just not as noticeable sometimes. But obviously, since free agency is before the draft, they sign some players or try to keep some players, and then when the draft comes and happens, they end up getting the players that they maybe thought they weren't gonna get. Yeah. And then they end up releasing the guy that they had signed in free agency.
0: Um, Another guy getting waived. Big name, Lions. They waived running back on Johnson. He is now a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. He was claimed off of waivers by Philadelphia. And the Eagles backroom is fantastic right now. Backfield is fantastic. Miles yeah. Sanders, Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, and on Johnson.
1: Yeah, that... I'm not surprised that uh, Johnson didn't last long on the market. Or he didn't even make it to the market. He got claimed off waivers. But I'm not surprised that he got claimed off waivers. Um, I am somewhat surprised, though, that the Eagles were the team to go and get him. Because, like you said, they already had a loaded backfield. And, I mean, he just adds to it. But now they have five guys that I assume they're going to have to probably end up cutting it, two
0: of them. I think one. They'll keep four, I believe. Usually the Eagles keep four. Uh, but I was having this discussion with people this weekend about it and they didn't agree with me, but I thought that the decision eventually will come down to Jordan Howard and Kerryon Johnson. Because I think those guys are the power backs. They only really need one, technically.
2: uh mm-hmm.
0: Miles Sanders can do it all. Boston Scott's more your receiving threat. Kenneth Gainwell is also better at receiving than he is in between the tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, he's a fifth round pick. So um.
1: yeah, and I don't know. I obviously Miles Sanders is the, I think the number one back. He's he's staying. He's the starter. Um, and I mean you do make an interesting point between those two. But – and I also – even though, like you said, Gainwell was a fifth-round pick, I tend to think that general managers don't like to cut the guys that they just drafted too often.
2: Yeah. So
1: I think that he has a little bit of a safety nut there. So I think he'll end up making the team, which also might make Boston Scott uh, expendable. So I think it'll be between either Boston Scott or one of those two guys that you mentioned.
0: Uh, All right, some free agency moves here. The Ravens made the move that we all knew was coming. <laughs> they signed a Steelers offensive tackle Alejandro Villanueva to a two-year $14 million deal, $8 million fully guaranteed there. Stays in division. Not very happy that that happened, but the Steelers did not want to re-sign Villanueva. They wanted to roll uh, with their younger guys, uh, Zach Banner at right tackle, Chuck Okorafor at left tackle. So,
1: um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a curious move to me. Uh, both that the Steelers didn't want to keep Billing away a bit, and also that that uh, the Ravens signed him. Uh, obviously, they did have that whole left tackle, or not at left tackle, a right tackle now that uh, they traded Orlando Brown, but uh, I don't know. I mean, isn't – Villanueva is on the older side, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he's, uh, I believe, 33.
1: Yeah, so he's getting towards the end of his career, which, I mean, if he can still play, that's good, but – I would tend to rather go with the uh, with the younger guys, unless it was, like, Pittsburgh's situation where I think they should have kept him because of the familiarity with Roethlisberger and all that. And, I mean, Roethlisberger already lost his center. So now he left, he lost his tackle as well. So, yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and the Ravens did not draft a tackle. The only offensive lineman they drafted was a guard, so. Uh, also, tackle news here: the Colts, they got their new blindside protector for Carson Wentz signing. Chiefs left tackle Eric Fisher, one year, nine point four million dollar deal. He will still they they feel good about his rehab. He will he won't be ready for the season. Uh, Ian Rappaport said he's probably going to be ready to play around early October. So probably going to miss at least the first quarter of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's not too bad. Um, So if he misses four or five games, he's still got like 12 or 13 games left, whatever it is. Yeah. So he's going to still play a large uh, chunk of the season. Plus that that chunk of the season that he misses, they can also see what they have in-house already at left tackle, which I know that they probably don't have much. But, um, yeah, I think that this is a good deal for both sides because it's a nice prove-it deal for Fisher that he can still play and he's healthy and all that. But it's also a good financial move for the Colts. And like I said, it gives them a chance to – see what they have before actually having Fisher on the field.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I I can't remember who they have there still um, because last time I knew it was LaRaven Clark uh, was the Uh backup offensive tackle, but I am not exactly sure without looking at their depth chart right now. Um, Chiefs. They signed Bronco Safety, Will Parks, one-year, $1.13 million deal there. Keep adding to the secondary. Will Parks is a very solid, I would say, safety three. Um, also is very good on special teams. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins. They signed corner Jason McCordy to a one-year deal. There you go, Chris. You were asking earlier a couple weeks ago where Jason McCordy's going to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of not surprised uh, because now he reunites with his former uh, defensive coordinator there in Miami, uh, and he just follows the path that a few other Patriots players have done over the last couple years. So, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised by the move, but – I, I mean, I hadn't heard anything about him or Miami being interested in him until I saw that he got signed by them. But, yeah.
0: I don't know how much he has left. That's that's my question. Um, the Texans, they signed your Jets linebacker Neville Hewitt to a one-year deal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... The Jets have a much better uh, core of players this year than they did last year. But Neville Hewitt was one of the standouts from the team last year. So I am kind of sad to see him go. But at the same time, I mean, obviously the new regime didn't like what they saw from him. And, I mean, obviously Joe Douglas was there last year. So if he really liked him that much, he would have re-signed him already. But he uh, – now he's in Houston with a hundred other free agents that they have signed.
0: So I was just gonna say I'm not surprised. You know, Texans are in on every free agent. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, they already re- they already signed a couple other Jets players too. So they're the Jets South apparently. All
0: right, and I think this is this was the biggest news of today. <laughs> uh huh. Tim Tebow is back. He hasn't signed officially yet, but is expected to sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, to play as a tight end. He is 33 years old now, um, and he hasn't played a game in 3,053 days.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did those calculations (laughs) before, and that's over eight years. So, yeah, it's just over eight years. Yeah, so I mean, it's not like he hasn't been active and just sitting on his couch. Though he's he was playing minor league baseball over the last couple of years, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, it's, kinda, he's, it's cool to see him back in the league now. But I'm curious. They say he's coming in as a tight end, but I wonder if he's almost going to take sort of like a Taysom Hill kind of role.
0: That's what and I heard. And sometimes
1: line up as the quarterback and other things like that.
0: That's what I heard, that Urban sort of plans to do some of those things with him. It was interesting. There was a um, a prop bet put out on DraftKings Sportsbook uh, for yes or no, will Tebow catch a touchdown from Trevor Lawrence in the 2021-2022 season? <laughs> and it was pretty good odds. Is uh, I think plus eighteen hundred or something like that. Uh, so one hundred eighty dollars well, on a ten dollar bet.
1: Is he going to be the starting tight end though? Like, who do not. they even have a tight end? I can't even think.
0: No, he will not be the starting tight end. <laughs> they, um, because they signed. Or actually, you know, looking at their... You know, uh, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he could with, with those names. They did draft yeah. Luke Farrell out of Ohio State. Um, I believe that was in the third round, actually. But uh-huh. uh, other tight ends on the roster, Chris Manhurts, who they signed from Carolina, more of an H back there, and James O'Shaughnessy, who they've had for a little bit.
1: Yeah, because I know... All throughout the draft process, tight end was one of their biggest needs. I think between, behind obviously quarterback, and I think tackle was the second most needed uh, position. But I think tight end was also up there. So uh,
0: and Urban drafted I mean, one of his guys from Ohio State. So yep.
1: But you just you just read off the uh, you just read off the depth chart, and obviously, I think the only one that's uh, got any shot. Well, I can't say the only one, but the only one that has the best shot is the guy that they just drafted from Ohio State. Um, and then, obviously, O'Shaughnessy, who's been there already. but I, Tebow has a legit shot of playing a lot of – or getting a lot of snaps.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that also probably includes undrafted free agents. I don't I – don't, they usually don't show many of the undrafted on the depth charts on ESPN, but uh, Yeah. So, the, the real question is, is will T-Boeing make a comeback in 2021?
1: Yeah. With, with social media the way it is now, I guarantee you it's going to be a thing again.
0: <laughs> Especially when he comes out week one and catches a touchdown.
1: <laughs> I, I think that the bigger the bigger and like more interesting prop bet would be, is Tebow going to throw a touchdown to Trevor Lawrence this year?
0: That could be interesting. That's probably very long odds, I would assume. <laughs> um, we're going back to your Jets, Chris. Uh, the Browns, they claimed kicker Chase McLaughlin off waivers from the Jets. Uh, so, the Jets, you know, who's their kicker now again?
1: Uh, They have um, I think they still have the guy from Dallas um, what's his name Mike I think
0: it was named oh, Maher yeah they
1: have him <laughs> and they have their guy from last year Sam Ficken so I think it's between those two guys right
0: now I think Chase McLaughlin is better than both of those so <laughs> apparently they did <laughs> from 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 what I saw from Chase in Indianapolis when Adam Terry was hurt as well as he kicked for San Francisco a couple games before and was efficient as well. Uh, other kicker news here. The Colts, they worked out uh, Bears kicker Eddie Pinheiro. Um, Wasn't odd to work out, I thought thought Hot Rod um, had solidified himself after last season's performance in his rookie year. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. Hope I hope Rodrigo's spot is secured. <laughs> but who knows? Uh,
1: I mean, if, if it's not there, though, he'll get another shot somewhere else, I think. Oh, yeah. The, I come to New York, the Jets need a kicker, so
0: the Lions uh they hosted Texans tight end Darren fells for a visit uh I think tight end is probably a need for Detroit I can't think of who they have right now and uh Darren fells actually I
2: confess, but I don't oh, know that's, else
0: that's true he's on my dynasty team I should know that he <laughs> uh, yeah, and Darren fells actually played there in 2017 I I couldn't think of where Darren fells had been <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean Phelps has been in the league a while And I, I don't think He really has had that great of a career Until he was in Houston So um, I don't know, I can see why he's not signed But at the same time, I'm kind of surprised He hasn't been signed yet Because he did have a couple breakout seasons There with Houston So,
0: I believe he played for the Cardinals As far well, as I can remember I other, think so. Other than that, I, I don't know. The Broncos, yeah. they hosted Titans offensive tackle Dennis Kelly for a visit. That was because of the Juwan James situation, needing a right tackle now. Dennis yeah. Kelly, probably one of the best <laughs> tackle options available currently. Uh-huh. So The other offensive <laughs> tackle uh, guy that's available right now, is Bears' offensive tackle Charles Leno Jr. He is visiting uh, with Washington today. Uh, I would think that Washington would sign him almost immediately because they have a massive hole that they never filled at left tackle after the Trent Williams trade last year. Did draft Sam Cosme in the second round, uh, but they would like to sit him and put him as a swing tackle not have him play that much this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> uh, Leno, I think, is the best tackle available right now um, in general. Not just left tackle, but tackle in general. So, uh, yeah, a team like Washington with that big of a hole, I think he's a perfect fit there for them. And, uh, yeah, like you said, they do have Cosme, but he they don't want him to play right now. So, yeah, why not go out and get Leno?
0: Yeah, uh, And then lastly here, the Dolphins. They hosted Colt Safety Malik Hooker for a visit. Uh, that was last week. Uh, you know, they did release Bobby McCain. So maybe going cheaper with Hooker uh, might be an option there for Miami.
1: I don't know. But uh, I still remember going back to because he was drafted when we were in Philly. And uh, so I feel like I have like somewhat of a special connection with a, a lot of those first-round guys from that year because we were there watching them get drafted and stuff. So I'm kind of rooting for all of them. And But Hooker is one of the ones I'm surprised to this point hasn't really worked out. Because so I remember he and Adams were very hyped up pre-draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, never, never worked out in Indianapolis. Uh, all right. That is all I have for news. Did not see anything else on the Twitter feed. So we're going to roll here. And we're not doing Would You Rather for the next however many Monday shows that we do the draft recaps because we want to give time uh, to talk about Uh each of the four teams' drafts. So, uh, it's kind of funny because I put them in order of pick here by their team, the first round picks. But on my sheet, I have them in reverse order, how we're doing the draft series. We're going inverse order of the first round. So... I don't know which way we want to go to start talking about them. Uh, What do you think, Chris?
1: I mean, we might as well go based on what it shows up here, just for the sake of consistency here.
0: So I'm going to get confused looking backwards on my sheet. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) So you can go first to talk about the Falcons because, you know, I'm going to talk about the Panthers. So first.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, pre-draft, I feel like there was a lot of intrigue with the Falcons pick because there was so many options. This was pretty much where the draft started. Um, so they could have gone any option, but obviously they went with, I think, who most people thought they were going to pick with Kyle Pitts there. And, uh, I mean, it was kind of hard not to pick him. Obviously, they had much bigger needs. Than tight end. But mm-hmm. Pitts was widely regarded as the best non quarterback in this draft. And he just makes that offense even better than it already is. Um, they still have Julio as of right now. They have Calvin Ridley as the number two. They have Mike Davis at running back. We finally remember that. Um, and now they have Pitts. And uh, they – do they have Hayden Hurst, I think, or who's their – yeah, they have Hayden Hurst, right, as their other tight end? Yeah. So that's a pretty loaded offense. Um, Granted, they still had a loaded offense last year, but their defense couldn't stop anybody, so it didn't matter. Um, But I I don't know. I I like to have to confess
0: well, so here, I'll go through the entire draft here. First round, they got Kyle Pitts. Second uh, was Richie Grant, safety out of UCF. Mm-hmm. Third round, they got offensive tackle Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. Uh, two fourth round picks corner Darren Hall out of San Diego State. Center Drew Dahlman out of Stanford. Uh, three fifth rounders, uh, defensive tackle Taquan Graham from Texas. Uh, Ed Rusher, uh Ic Tacombo, uh Ogun Deji from Notre Dame, and corner Avery Williams from Boise State, and then their last pick was a sixth rounder wide receiver Frank Darby out of Arizona State. So
1: Yeah, so their draft overall though I really like too. Um especially their early round picks. Uh like Richie Grant, who a lot of people had as the number one safety. Um and they were able to get him at what would that be forty. Six or something? Oh, it's forty.
2: Yeah, forty. Oh yeah,
1: cause they, yeah. Um, and then a guy that I I'm surprised fell as far as he did was Jalen Mayfield in the third round. So I think that was a bit of a steal for them to get him at in the third round there. And uh, yeah. They, they did fill a lot of their needs. Like I said, it was mostly defense that they needed, but I think Richie Grant adds a lot to that secondary. And uh, the only thing that they didn't address, which I'm kind of surprised, um, is that they didn't address the future quarterback position like some of these other teams in the division did.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, cause they did sign AJ McCarron. That's the only other quarterback that it's showing on the depth chart on ESPN. The thing that I look at as far as draft choices, even though I know it's way too early to actually know, but, uh, you know, I look at automatically who, what draft picks does ESPN put in starting spots. ESPN puts two. Uh, they, they have two of the Falcons in starting spots. Kyle Pitts, obviously, and Richie Grant at safety. Now, I think that uh, Ogun Deji could be a starter as well opposite Dante Fowler because right now the starter opposite Fowler is Jacob Tuioti Mariner. Uh, which I know. I have no not idea many... who that is. Yeah, I know. I know not many people know who he is. USC. Guy. Um, also interesting though, I read off Taekwon Graham as a defensive tackle, right? Mm-hmm. ESPN has him as the third string will linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the Falcons are on a base four three, so that's a stand up guy. And, yeah. Uh, Highly doubt that will happen. I checked on it. He's six four, two ninety four. No <laughs> chance. No I chance mean, he is a linebacker. <laughs> no,
1: but I don't know. Maybe he's – I mean, you said he's third on the depth chart. So I don't know. Maybe it's just for an emergency situation.
0: Well, because he's, he's not listed. He's not listed in the defensive line spots. That's what I – you know. Hmm.
1: Uh, That is kind (laughs) of odd, but who knows? Maybe the big man can run. Uh,
0: Yeah. Another thing that I thought, uh, Drew Dahlman is listed as third string at the left guard spot. Uh, I have no clue who Matt Gono is, uh, who is currently slated at left guard. So I would think that either Drew Dahlman or Josh Andrews Uh, We'll fill that spot. Mm -hmm. More likely Josh Andrews, I would think. Um, Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, former Jet, right? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I mean... Former Eagle as well. I don't
1: know if you could really call him a former Jet because I don't think he ever played, but yeah.
0: Well, he played for the Eagles, so, you know. Uh, But yeah, Jalen Mayfield, he'll be the swing tackle this year, I believe. Uh, They don't really... They didn't really need... A tackle because they have Jake Matthews, Caleb McGarry. Um, I think they needed more interior. Really, only the left guard spot from what I'm looking at because Matt Hennessy at center. Right guard is Chris Lindstrom. So I think they were fine yeah. everywhere except left guard. But uh, yeah, I think the wide receiver depth, they didn't really do a good job of getting that. Uh, I thought they should have drafted someone more you know, earlier than Frank Darby in the sixth. Because after the first three, you know, you can count Kyle Pitts, I guess, as a as one as well. So mm-hmm. after Russell Gage, though, it's Olamede Zacchaeus, Frank Darby, Christian Blake. Yeah. Those are the next three.
1: I mean, <clears throat> you gotta you gotta think about it this way though too. Because Obviously, Kyle Pitts, like like we've been saying, he's he was the number one guy there. Um, so you had to take him there over the other receivers. And then the second round, again, like I said, their defense last year was bottom of the barrel. It was one of the worst in the league. So they had to go out and get Richie Grant, which, like I said, he automatically, you even said he's one of the starters listed right now. So he automatically makes that defense better. Um, so the earliest I could see them going for a receiver would be in round three, which I don't know who was still there at that minute. I can't think off the top of my head. But um, I don't know if any of the second-tier guys were still there.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure because none of the other three teams in the division drafted a third-round receiver, so... <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, all in all, I, I thought it was a pretty good draft. Uh, it kind of tailed off. Uh, I wasn't too high on the the Graham or the Ogundegi or the Darby picks. Uh, Darren Hall was iffy for me as well. Uh, I liked Drew Dahlman though, in the fourth. And I think the best guy, the, the guy I liked the most, other than you know the top three picks, Avery Williams in the fifth round. He is – I don't know if uh, I'm right or not. I'm probably wrong because that's how it usually goes. But um, (laughs) I think Avery Williams was the best special teams player in the draft. From what I watched from him at Boise State, I don't know if he's ever going to be a really good defensive player. But his time returning the ball – both punts and kicks. He can block kicks as well. He showed that at Boise State. Um, and he can cover kicks. He he literally can be on every single special teams unit, um, probably except for field goal, <laughs> I would think. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get in there and block anyone. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he is going to be a steal in the fifth round and make the Falcons uh-huh. one of the best special teams units you know, out there.
1: Yeah, I I can uh, see that happen.
0: And uh they probably won't show his uh, uh I guess I can see his NCAA stats here. Um know, I'm trying to trying to see his uh, career returns, but uh, of course it's only gonna show his defensive stats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I don't, I don't have his return stats with me, but um, yeah, he was just electric uh, returning the ball. And like I said, also blocking the ball, blocking kicks as well. I watched him block two kicks in the same game at Boise State. He blocked a field goal, and he blocked a punt in the same game. Just crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously special teams is probably the most underrated part of football, especially the defensive side of special teams. Um, so, guys like him kind of get overlooked in that department, but uh, to add a guy like that on your special teams, you're gonna win a lot of the special team battles.
0: Yeah. And that's what day three picks are all about, though. You know? Yeah. If you don't, it's, it's hard to draft the guy on day three that doesn't play special teams. Yeah. Because you know, that's what makes the difference from guys that get drafted on day three to guys that go undrafted. A lot of times teams don't see the potential for these guys to play special teams and that's why they go undrafted. So mm-hmm. Okay. That's the Falcons. Chris, do we wanna actually give letters out or or not?
1: We could do that at the end with when we finish all four and then we can rank them and say what our grade is or whatever.
0: okay so the Panthers had the most picks uh, 11 11 total draft selections here. I was actually kind of surprised uh, you know all four teams in the division the Saints had the fewest at six. But uh, they all had good amount of draft picks. Uh, Saints was six. Bucks had seven. Panthers had 11. And the Falcons, nine. Nine picks for the Falcons as well. So, a lot of I lot mean, of rookies.
1: I feel like most teams had a solid amount of draft picks, though, except for, like, the NFC West with Seattle and L.A., not having a lot.
0: I mean, and we'll, we'll uh, the see, Texans
1: as well, only having a couple.
0: We'll see when we get to that. Well, the Texans actually did have, uh, I believe, six picks, at uh, five, five. So yeah, but they
1: didn't select until like '86 or something like that. So that the Rams, severely as, hurt them. the Rams
0: as well, had a decent amount of picks for only selecting in the second round to start. Obviously, the Seahawks huh. were the worst overall with only three. But we've seen the Saints there before. A couple years ago, Saints only had three total. So,
1: And the one year when they only had one because they traded their entire draft for Ricky Williams.
0: <laughs> All right. So the Panthers, though, uh, I said this before when we did our show just after the draft, and I'm in love with the Panthers draft. I thought they've hit home runs two years in a row now uh, with two different GMs, mind you. <laughs> You know, this year we had Scott Fitter. Last year, I don't know why I can't think of the guy's name right now. I don't know why.
1: I don't know, but I think that uh, Matt Rule has a very, very powerful voice in that room. I think the GMs actually listen to him with what he wants to do. I mean, obviously last year they went all defense and with all their picks. This year they might have mixed it up a little bit, but obviously yeah. with their first pick they still went defense, which I think, to me, it was a questionable move that they picked J.C. Horn with the number eight pick. For one, because it was a cornerback, and, and I mean they, I think they had decent depth at cornerback, especially with the the fact that just signed A.J. Boye right before the draft, and then also the fact that it was J.C. Horn instead of. Patrick short's fan. But, uh, I know you kind of liked that pick though.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was okay with either guy. I, I still thought it was going to be Rashawn Slater instead. Uh, uh-huh. when, when he slid down to 8. Um which I would have loved as well considering they needed a left tackle. Um currently their left tackle is Cam Irving, which is fine. Uh, He'll fight with Greg Little, I believe, this year to get that spot. But uh, running down their picks, J.C. Horn in the first out of South Carolina, wide receiver Terrace Marshall in the second out of LSU, two third-rounders, offensive tackle Brady Christensen out of BYU, tight end Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame, fourth-rounder running back Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State, two-fifths defensive tackle Davion Nixon out of Iowa, corner, Keith Taylor out of Washington. Three-sixths guards, Deontay Brown out of Alabama. Wide receiver, Shai Smith out of South Carolina. Long snapper, Thomas uh, Fletcher out of Alabama. And then one-seventh rounder, defensive tackle, Phil Hoskins out of Kentucky. It's funny, when I was writing their their picks down, they all drafted like from the same schools. (laughs) Notre Dame, uh, Wa- Alabama, Kentucky, and uh, Florida had a bunch too. Stanford as well. There's a couple Houstons, a couple BYUs, drafting from the same schools. But uh, literally the only pick I probably didn't like was the last two the long snapper. And Phil Hoskins, uh, long snapper. I didn't really like just because I love JJ Jansen, uh, and he's been the, with the Panthers for his whole career. Um, he is older in his thirties now, but uh, I still I think JJ's pretty good.
1: So <laughs> long snappers are people too,
0: but you know the the Panthers did what the jets did not do for sand arnold um, they got him what he wanted got him terrace marshall got him brady christensen who like i said is probably not going to start at left tackle this year i think he'll be the uh 2022 starter at left tackle though got him tommy tremble because they needed a tight end they also picked up dan arnold and uh, free agency, they have Ian Thomas as well. So solid tight end core there. They picked up a new backup for Christian McCaffrey and Chuba Hubbard.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh And then they also went back and got some interior offensive line depth in Deontay Brown, Shai Smith as well. Uh, great punt returner and depth receiver as well. So I think this draft was pretty. You know people thought it was about J.C. Horn in the first, but I think when you look at their entire draft, it was really mm-hmm. about, all right, let's go build around Sam Darnold and get pieces.
1: Yeah, they, uh, I think overall they had a really good draft. Like you said, <clears throat> I don't want to repeat too much of your points, but, uh, yeah, they went out and got him another, uh, three new weapons, uh, Terrace Marshall, Tommy Tremble, and, uh, Chuba Hubbard. And uh, I guess you could say they got him protection with uh, Brady Christensen. But like you said, he's probably not going to start this year, so I don't know how much he's actually going to play. But, yeah, now we really will see if Darnold was the problem or if Adam Gase was the problem in New York. I think it might have been a little bit of both, but I don't know. We'll have to see how things work out for Darnold there in Carolina, but I think this is definitely the best team that he's been on in his professional career so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I thought that, obviously, I think Joe Brady's offense is a lot more fun to play in anyways, especially if you're a quarterback that's not named Teddy Bridgewater because – he was good in in the offense last year, but you know, someone with a better arm like Darnold, uh, more athletic. Um, maybe he's not as athletic as Teddy, but I think I don't think Teddy's where he was pre-injury in Minnesota. Uh-huh. Um, but even though I'm kind of going against what I said with the Falcons, because uh, with the the thing where you know I kind of judge based off how many guys are going to start week one, which ESPN only has one guy, and that's J.C. Horn, in a starting role right now. But I think it's going to be at least two. I have no reason to doubt that Terrace Marshall won't be the number three receiver.
1: I was going to say, who's the receiving depth chart right now?
0: Yeah, they have David Moore as a starter at wide receiver three, who they signed from Seattle. Um but, yeah, I think their top six is pretty good with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, David Moore, Terrace Marshall, Brandon Zilstra, Shai Smith. They also have a guy that uh, they signed last year as undrafted free agent that I like, but obviously he's probably not going to make the team. Omar Bayless out of Arkansas State. But, yeah, the defensive guys, though, you know, Davion Nixon, he's listed as third string right now. I don't know if he'll stay there or not. Uh, because I think I'm not set on Bravion Roy being the starter next to Derek Brown inside. Um, uh-huh. I think that's going to be a camp battle. Bravion Roy, Davion Nixon, and Daquan Jones, I think all could vie for that other defensive tackle spot there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, I I don't know. Well, another guy, even hey. though he was not drafted, but he was one of their top undrafted free agents, and it's my guy. That's why I'm gonna say include him. Patty Fisher, <laughs> linebacker <laughs> out of Northwestern, thought he was uh-huh. gonna get drafted, went undrafted, but Panthers picked him up. He is currently uh, oh. the backup to Denzel Perriman as the middle linebacker. I think he'll make the team. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love Patty Fisher, though.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty solid to get a uh, guy like that as an undrafted free agent. And, I, I mean, he's, he's the backup right now, but I think even as a backup he can make a solid impact on the team.
0: I mean, well, Denzel Perriman has had injuries before, so wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Uh, other guy, the only one that I think I haven't talked about is Keith Taylor out of Washington. Uh, he's probably a sleeper. I mean, the Panthers have done a good job recently of loading up their secondary. Uh, so he's listed as a third stringer right now uh, behind Rashawn Melvin and da- Dante Jackson. But, you know... Washington is, like, DBU. I mean, they've produced a hell of a lot of corners in the last uh, couple of years. So, I would not be surprised if we see Keith Taylor in, you know, not getting starter reps, but, you know, in a meaningful depth role as a, in, in a sub package, maybe a nickel or dime set. Yeah. So... Especially Dime. I think Nickel, I don't know if he'll get many snaps at Nickel. Well, he might early on um, because A.J. Boye is suspended for, I believe, the first two.
1: I think so. Uh, Something like that. So
0: he might get Nickel nickel reps then, but I think after <clears throat> Boye comes back, I think he'll slide into more Dime sets in the, the six DBs. Because um, they also have Troy Pride as well who they drafted last year
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay that is all the Panthers um, going to slide on down to the Saints and uh, before you go I'm, I'll read them off first round edge rusher Peyton Turner out of Houston uh, second they got linebacker Pete Warner out of Ohio State third round was Paulson Adebo the corner out of Stanford fourth round quarterback Ian Buck out of Notre Dame sixth uh offensive tackle Landon Young out of Kentucky and then seventh wide receiver Kawan Baker out of South Alabama
1: yeah so for the Saints I don't know I was iffy about their draft uh <clears throat> starting with their first rounder their Peyton Turner um I think I thought that there was better options on the board at that point, um, even at edge rusher. Um, I would have liked to see them go after a guy like Aziz Ojulari, mm. um, who slipped into the second round there with the Giants. Um, I did, however, I liked their uh, their second round pick there with Pete Warner. Uh, I mean, Ohio State has had a good, good history of producing nfl linebackers so i was pretty happy with that pick and i think that he'll work out there um obviously they're going to have a big hole at linebacker probably after this year with all the uh contracts expiring um with uh demario davis and uh I'm blanking on who the other linebackers are right now, but, um, yeah, I, I think that he's going to make a, a pretty good impact. And then also, I like their third-round pick with Paulson Ajibo as well, the corner. Um, I was kind of surprised to see him still sitting there in the third round that late in the third round. And, uh, yeah, they uh, they were able to scoop him up, and I think he'll make – I don't know if he's going to be the starter right away. They have Lattimore, and uh, can't think of who the second corner is right now.
0: CJ Gardner-Johnson.
1: Oh, yes. So I don't know if he'll start right away. Um, maybe he'll be the slot corner. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that he'll eventually turn into something good. Uh, as for their selection of Ian Book, that was probably my – Biggest issue with their draft um, Because I mean obviously They just lost one of the greatest Quarterbacks ever with Drew Brees But They have Jameis Winston right now And I guess you could Still say they have Taysom Hill uh, Even though I don't really like when Hill plays Quarterback But uh, <laughs> But Yeah Even Like, we've talked about it before. The experts even said that Ian Book has a ceiling of a backup in the NFL. So, I don't know, maybe the Saints saw something that somebody else didn't or they think that they can push that ceiling or something, but I just – I didn't like that pick at all. Um, I think – Go ahead, what?
0: No, well, I don't know if you're going to go and – on the onto the next two, or
1: well, those were really the guys I wanted to talk about, like just the ones that I've already talked about. So, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I do think that uh, I like Ian Book. Uh, he's gritty. Um, he is a winner, <laughs> winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. Um, but I kind of think that the Saints are uh, grooming. A guy uh, who they already groomed um, in t- Chase Daniel, uh, and I mean you can also count uh, Luke McCown as well. Um, they they've they've groomed quite a bunch of uh, young backup quarterbacks throughout uh-huh. their time and Sean Payton's time there. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, I do think Ian Book has a shot. You know. As a career backup, um, with the potential, uh, it, he has the issues with the inbook are limited arm strength. Um, he has pretty good mobility, um, and like I said, my biggest thing with him I, that I love is his toughness. So, but uh,
1: yeah, um, but uh, just a quick like point to your thing though being the winningest quarterback in in uh, school history or whatever, that could be misleading. Like, I hate oh, yeah. that wins are associated with the quarterback because it's kind of like the same thing with pitchers in baseball. The win or loss isn't necessarily always the quarterback's fault. Like, the quarterback could have his best game ever, but if his defense gives up just as many points, they still might lose the game. Yeah so uh, yeah i don't know i i don't really like the whole i don't really like that argument but at the same time if if it was mainly because of him though like if he actually produced and like played well on the field then yeah he probably does deserve credit for some of the wins but still
0: well you know he didn't play well in the biggest moments um Losing to Georgia in Athens, which is tough place to play. But also, two college football playoff appearances getting routed both times uh, mm-hmm. by Clemson and Alabama. So
1: Two very tough teams to play, though, but still.
0: Well, they got destroyed in the ACC championship game this year, too, <laughs> against Clemson. <laughs> so. Alright, my thoughts on the Saints draft are are similar to yours. Peyton Turner, I thought, was questionable. I was hearing that he was. Teams thought he was going to go in the first anyways. So, um, At 28, not a horrible selection. However, he is not listed as a starter currently um, because their first rounder from uh, 2019, Marcus Davenport, is listed as the opposite defensive end of Cam Jordan. The one guy who is a draftee of the Saints that is a starter is Pete Werner at middle linebacker. Uh, their first rounder from last year, uh, Zach Bond. Uh, or was he second? I don't remember.
1: I think he was
0: second. Oh, yeah, Caesar Ruiz last year was their first. Yes. Um, but yeah Zach Bond listed as the other starter there um, to go along with DeMario Davis linebacker is going to be an issue though if one of those three gets hurt it's it is slim pickings man because I don't even know who these guys are even at the second string Uh, Caden Ellis Andrew Dowell and Chase Hansen are the three backups at the linebacker positions.
1: Yeah, that's one of the weakest positions on the Saints. And, I mean, they did address it, but and then, uh, they definitely need more depth there.
0: And then when you get the third string, I actually have heard of this guy, Marcus Willoughby. I have heard of him. Not too familiar with him, but I've heard the name. And Winton, Winton McManus. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Paulson Adibo, I do think he'll start by the end of the year, possibly. Uh, you're right, though. Well, the, the thing is with the Saints is that they do have Patrick Robinson, so I don't know if Paulson Adibo is necessarily going to start in the, in the slot role. Uh, he might learn from Patrick Robinson, maybe pick up the slot halfway through uh-huh. the season or something like that. Um, I will shout out another undrafted guy that is listed as a starter, though. Even though, like I said, Patty Fisher wasn't listed as a starter, but he was backup. But they do have an undrafted guy that is listed as a starter. Uh, and, even better, he's a Penn State guy. Blake Gilligan, the the new punter for the New Orleans uh, Saints. Uh, granted, he's not the punter yet. Uh, Nolan Cooney is also listed as a punter there. No clue who that is. Never heard of Nolan Cooney. But uh, yeah, Blake Gillikin.
1: It's going to be (laughs) weird having a new punter there in New Orleans, though.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) But, yeah. They got some big shoes to fill, quite literally.
0: Yeah, I just, I was surprised that they didn't go receiver at all in the draft until late uh, with Kawan Baker, who I'm not too familiar with. Uh, I mean, obviously they believe in their guys. You know, Deontay Harris, Juwan Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, uh, Marquez Callaway, as well. So,
1: well, this- that was that's kind of like uh, I had that kind of same similar um, argument, like I had with the Falcons. Um, I mean, I think that they could have even maybe should have gone receiver in the first round instead of, uh, going for Peyton Turner. Cause they had guys like Elijah Moore, who the Jets picked at 34 and, uh, they got Terrace Marshall there too. Um, they had a couple other guys too that they could have grabbed there at number 28. Um, but yeah, they, uh, but I I don't blame them for taking uh uh Werner though in the second round. And like I said with the with the Falcons as well, I don't know if there was any solid guys there for the Saints in the third round. So I don't know if they could have gotten anybody worth the third round pick there.
0: Well I know in the second round Terrace Marshall went right before the Saints. Saints had the sixtieth pick. The Panthers took him at fifty nine. <laughs> Uh, so they pick Pete Warner instead. But uh Yeah. Well we'll also have to see how the tight end position shakes out for the Saints this year. First year of Adam Troutman starting, um former second round pick there. Or third. I don't know why I can ever remember some of these guys' rounds. <laughs> third round. I, don't know, I believe he is third anything. round. Number eighty overall.
1: Know, anything can be better than Jared Cook was last year though, so
0: hey Jared Cook has been a fantastic player <laughs>
1: yeah, over his career but not last year with the Saints he dropped a very crucial pass last year against the Buccaneers in the playoffs that ended up in an in, into an interception there
0: i know how it is <laughs> Alshon jeffrey did the same in the 2018 playoffs against the saints so <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know the. I think the Saints will be very happy in 2022 when Drew Brees is finally off the books, <laughs> and they don't have a massive cap charge. Uh, you know, even with him not playing in 2021, I forget what the amount is that he's still on the books for, but it is, it is a big amount. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. So. I think they
1: lightened it a little bit, though, with converting the salary and stuff to signing bonus, but I still think it's a big number. I can't remember what.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, they have a lot of work to do. Um, I think, you know, their stars and and Sean Payton can keep them competitive. But if one of the two quarterbacks is not the the guy, uh, obviously they're going to have to go get that guy next year. Um, but just looking at their depth chart, man, I mean, they need a lot of depth. Uh, defensive line depth is needed. Uh, offense, both lines, offense and defense, a lot of depth needed there as well as receiver, like I said, but. Yeah, I do not think that uh, – I don't think the Saints are winning the division. They, they might not even finish second, depending on how the quarterbacks no, play. It'll be a tough, tough year. So, all right. I think a lot
2: more on how uh, Jameis West plays.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, lastly, let's move on to the defending Super Bowl champs. Tampa Bay Bucks. All right. First round, uh, edge rusher Joe Tryon out of Washington. Second round, quarterback Kyle Trask out of Florida. Third round, offensive tackle Robert Hainsey out of Notre Dame. Fourth round, uh, wide receiver Jalen Darden out of North Texas. Fifth round, linebacker KJ Britt out of Auburn. Uh, Two seventh rounders, corner Chris Wilcox out of BYU and linebacker Grant Stewart out of Houston, who was Mr. Irrelevant. Congrats, Grant Stewart. So, Joe Tryon, just like Peyton Turner was, we kind of shook our heads um, at the pick in the first round. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we said they they needed uh, to get their eventual replacement for Jason Pierre-Paul. So, in that stance, I thought they did well there. I still thought they could have went Kyle Trask in the first round. Um, but they got a steal all the way in the last pick of the second round. Quarterback of the future, possibly. We'll have to see. I believe in Kyle Trask. Uh, all offensive line depth with Robert Hainsey there. Um, probably my favorite pick other than Kyle Trask, though is Jalen Darden. Uh, I know they didn't really need receivers, uh, and he might have a tough time making the team, but I think he will make the team ultimately based off his return ability. Um, He is the all-time leading receiver at North Texas, both touchdowns, catches, and receptions. Um, So very good, very good receiver that they got all the way. Uh, in the fourth round. He is small, 5'9", 174. But, um, yeah, I, I really liked Jalen Darden when he was playing at North Texas there. So, Yeah,
2: I mean, <laughs> the Bucks were probably, if not the most, uh, or if not the toughest team to pick for, they were one of the toughest teams to pick for. Because... Have so few holes on their team, it's kind of hard to gauge how good their draft actually was. Obviously, like you had already pointed out, their first round pick was questionable. And, like, I was just thinking about it as you were making your points. I am kind of surprised that they didn't pick Trask in the first round. Because don't they still get that fifth-year option, even at the last pick?
0: Yeah, all first-rounders,
2: yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, I mean, especially with Trask having to sit for at least this year, possibly longer, I'm surprised they didn't want that extra year to work with him. Um, but they did still end up getting him in the end of the second round. And uh, their, their draft
0: overall was kind of tough to gauge because, uh, I mean, I don't know. Do they have any starters? No. No, that's what <laughs> I thought.
2: That's what I thought because they literally
0: don't need anybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of the guys are listed – as primary backups. Um, obviously with the Blaine Gavard signing, Kyle Trask is now listed as the fourth string quarterback. Uh, I was, you know, I said, I don't know if Jalen Darden will make the team, but he actually is listed as the backup to Antonio Brown as a starter at the, you know, starting three wide receivers there. So, um, he's listed in the top six right now. We'll, we'll just see what that Robert Hainsey as well. Uh, I had him as a tackle. Um, That's just because that's what NFL had, NFL.com had him at. But he's listed as the backup to Alex Kappa at right guard. Um, Joe Tryon backing up JPP there. Uh, Also, uh, KJ Britt is the backup to Levante David right now in in the middle linebacker, in the inside linebacker spot there. So... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think, yeah, the books, I would probably put them last. Because really the only guys that I really liked were Kyle Trask and Jalen Darden. KJ Britt was probably the next guy that I would put on my list there. Yeah, I, I would put them at the bottom as an incomplete because, like... We said they have
2: no starters in the draft class right now, and, and, I mean, some of them probably will, and most likely will become starters eventually, but as of right now, they're all backups, so we won't really see much of them, I don't think, this year. And we don't really know how much of an impact they'll have in the immediate future.
0: Yeah. So, Uh,
2: that's why I think I would have
0: them at the bottom. I think their draft class really hinges on is Kyle Trask the future quarterback or not, even though he wasn't their first-round pick. I, you know. All right, uh, so next spot is tough. I, I would probably go with the Saints at number three. Um, just because first round pick was, you know, so, so liked Pete Warner, liked Paulson Adebo. Ian book. So, so as well.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I agree with that. I think saints are also number three. Uh, but I do think they have some of the better picks though. Uh, between these four teams, but they don't have, like, the... Uh,
0: Complete class.
1: Yeah. So I think that's why they're at number three for me right now.
0: Yeah, number two I, is the Falcons. Um, Kyle Pitts, home run. Richie Grant, Jalen Mayfield loved those three picks. Also liked Drew Dahlman, um, and then Avery Williams as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Again, I agree with you. Falcons are number two. Um, I mean, the pits kind of just fell in their laps because of the way the draft started. Um, Had the trade not happened with the 49ers and the Dolphins, it might have been a little different. I still Mm -hmm. think the Dolphins would have went receiver. So then the Falcons still went went pits. But because of the trade, they – had no competition for Pitts, they were able to get him and richie grant in the second like you said yeah their top three picks with mayfield in the third i think that overall i think they had the best uh top three picks in this division but then the back of their draft i didn't really like so yeah
0: yeah and obviously the panthers number one uh I said that, uh, you know, from the first time we discussed the draft. I thought they did a very good job. Like I said, the only picks that I didn't really like were the last two Thomas Fletcher and Phil Hoskins. Um, all the other guys, I think their first nine picks will make the roster and have roles. I think you could realistically see not their first nine guys that they drafted on the field at some point this year.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. The, uh, you kind of touched on it before when we were talking about them individually, but the Panthers did what the jets failed to do with Darnold. They actually put players around him and, uh, gave him stuff to work with. So, uh, they're putting all their eggs in the Sam Darnold basket there. And, uh, they're, relying on him to take them to the next level, um, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I still think he's got potential, but I don't know if Adam Gase might have just ruined him. He, there might not be any fixing him. Um, and again, like I said, it's not his fault. But uh, but yeah, I think the Panthers as a whole have uh, the brightest future with this draft class.
0: Yeah, I think realistically, if the Darnold thing works out, Panthers finish second in the NFC South this year.
1: Yeah, it'll be an interesting three-team race there for the second spot.
0: I'm still not a big believer in the Falcons, even with Kyle Pitts. Defense is still not where it needs to be. And I've never been a big Matt Ryan guy, (laughs) even when they went to the Super Bowl. Um I don't know. I like my quarterbacks to actually be able to run. <laughs> Something that Matt Ryan doesn't do very well. <laughs> so yeah. Um but just preliminarily here I'm going Bucks first, Panthers second, Saints third, Falcons last for division.
1: Yeah, I uh Again, I think it all depends on the quarterback play for the Saints and for the and for the Panthers, um, mm-hmm. because I think both defenses are still top half of the league at the very least, um, maybe even top eight, top quarter of the league. Um, but yeah, it all depends on if Jameis Winston or Sam Darnold, whoever performs better. I think that team will win or not win but that team will second place and I can also see a scenario where all three of these teams with the bucks the Saints and the panthers I can see a scenario where all three end up making the playoffs
0: yeah definitely just just depends on what the threshold is this year not mm-hmm. not eight and eight like it was last year to get into the well, seventh spot
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean there is a lot of factors that we aren't used to i mean obviously we had this past season with the seventh seed but that was the first year with it so we don't really have much to go off of with that and now that with the added game there's a lot riding on that last game
0: yeah but you know we, we see now you know i think last year was a good indicator conference wise i i do still think the afc has more teams that are better than the number of teams that the NFC has. Uh, uh-huh. That's why it was eight and eight last year to get into the playoffs between the Cardinals and Bears. So,
1: uh-huh. yeah, I think you might need a winning record this year.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, that is our show for today. A little wait, long?
1: actually, oh, I let me recheck the statement. You might not need a winning record if you're in the NFC East though we gotta see those four teams how much they improve but other than that you're gonna need a winning record
0: the NFC East I'm going on record May 10th the NFC East winner will have a winning record <laughs> it will be the Dallas Cowboys that will win the NFC East All right.
1: Yes. heard it here first so
0: that is our show for today though uh we'll be back on friday breaking down the uh afc north um because the ravens were the 31st pick uh, from that orlando brown trade and next monday you you will have your jets jersey on chris (laughs) And I will have my Tebow Jets jersey on, sure. <laughs> and uh, we will be breaking down the AFC East uh, on next Monday's show. Their draft. So thank yep. y'all for watching. I gotta figure
1: out what I gotta figure out what Jets jersey I'm gonna wear though because I I don't have any current players right now. Maybe yeah. I'll pick up a uh, Zach Wilson jersey before next week. I don't know. There you I'll go
0: you got to get an Ian Book Saints jersey now, too. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, FAApodcast.com is our website. We have some swag. Just click the Shop button in the top right corner. Also, follow us on Spotify and here on YouTube and Facebook. Just search Football Addicts Anonymous on those platforms. Thank you, Chris, and we'll see you on Friday. Schedule release show tomorrow night. Make sure you tune in to NFL Network. I believe it's 8 o'clock Eastern.
2: Yep. (laughs) All right, I'll see you, man. See you later.